Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. And after a long, uh, a long delay between podcasts, which I apologize for and have been castigated for by a lot of people, I'm glad that the podcast is finally back. And I'm also glad that I'm back talking to my, my good friend, Fred Katz, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder beat writer for the Norman Transcript, who happens to be back in New York City, his hometown, on the day that Russell Westbrook decided to uh, sign with the Thunder for an extra couple of years and uh, and have a press conference today. So, Fred, uh, first of all, how are you? And second of all, uh, welcome to the perils of being a beat writer in the summertime. <laughs> I'm good. I just want to talk about all this demand there is for your podcast, Tim. It's been a while. It has been a while, and it's it's been nice to hear people say they want to have the podcast back. But at the same time, it's been uh, it, it's been kind of uh, frustrating that I haven't had time to really get into it. But I'm glad I'm glad we're back now, and I'm glad you were able to give me some time today on a very busy day. Um, I, like I said, you are in New York, so you're unfortunately not going to be at Russ's press conference in a couple hours. Um, but you know, you've been you've been around this team now for a couple months since you started this job, and if you could, could you just kind of walk us through what the last six weeks have been like in Oklahoma City, really from, you know, those days leading up to free agency and, you know, kind of the, the wait to see what Durant was going to do to his decision. And now, you know, leading up to Westbrook now deciding to at least commit to another full season to stay in Oklahoma City. So I think it went from probably it probably started out with cautious optimism because I think, you know, people believe basically what reports are telling them as they should. And, uh, you know, Prior to Durant actually leaving, you know, really, really prior to Durant entering free agency, you know, those those weeks in June after they lost to the Warriors, leading up to the actual free agency period. I mean, you know, pretty much most people thought that that Kevin was going to return to Oklahoma City. I certainly and, did. Uh, yeah, I did too, and uh, I I think most people did, and 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 that's what most reports said, and you know, it just it seemed like the logical decision. It was the only team he played for. You know, we've we've rehashed this a million times, and people know the story, and. Um, I think there was cautious optimism. I think I think the city as a whole was still kind of holding its breath. Like there was there was some amount of um, you know there was there was some amount of panic for sure. Uh, but but I think you know for the most part I think they were excited about more excited about just kind of what the team had just done in the playoffs. I, I've said many times before I think it's possible that even knowing that they blew a three run lead to the Warriors, like I think it's possible they were playing. That team was playing the best basketball it, it ever played against San Antonio and Golden State. Um, it, it was just clicking so well, and, and the future just looked so good with the way Adams was turning, and and still is. And uh, you know, and, and and the composition of that roster, and and the way that Billy Donovan, I think, really blossomed in the playoffs. And I think people were more excited. Durant leaves, and it kind of turns into. I know a lot of people framed it as anger. I didn't get the sense it was anger. I mean, there were some jerseys burning but I, I i tend to think that the jerseys burning is more just like people wanting to get on twitter and sports center and like i can't can't even verify that those people are in oklahoma city like i saw like three jerseys burned in on twitter and twitter has a lot of users so i i didn't really make much of that i tend to base it most of that just kind of on my mentions and people i talk to in the city and it just seemed to me more like people were just kind of sad like people were just really really sad um, like it, it, it was and, the same way that like, you know, like if, if a significant other breaks up with you, you know, like it was, they were really sad. Well, and, and was part of that, Fred, I, you know, and I, I certainly thought this was part of that, that people, a lot of people there kind of automatically assume that, that, that Durant's decision also meant that Russell Westbrook, whether it was before next season, during next season or after next season was going to be out of there. Yeah, I think that was part of it. I mean, I think initially with Durant leaving, there was like there was obviously some amount of shock uh, for for all of us, really. I mean, I think we obviously kind of learned about it at a, at a slightly different pace than the rest of the general public, getting hints and that kind of stuff. But but I, I was still surprised when it happened because just part of me, I was just like, I didn't really believe that he, he would leave Oklahoma City. Uh, but but I think the general public, there was some amount of shock from Durant. And then, yeah, I think there was spillover because that's kind of what all the talk was. Oh, my gosh, are they going to keep Westbrook? You know, I, I would I drive down the street and there would be signs and, you know, people, you know, there was there was one house that I passed a couple of weeks ago where someone had like a like a sign. You know, they you know people will put signs like supporting a congressman or whatever in their front lawn. And this was just a like a, a illustrated picture of Russ's face. It said in Russ, we trust. And like people are just putting up 
putting up signs like that all over the city and 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 some businesses are doing it and, and some businesses are putting up signs making fun of Kevin Durant leaving even and kind of trolling their own customers, uh, which doesn't seem like a viable business strategy to me, but they were <laughs> but they were doing it. Uh, and uh, I, I just and I think I think there was some angst. Uh, there was some depression because I kind of saw the end of what was, you know, what's been such an incredible run for this team. Um, and and uh, I think with Russ leaving or staying, I think it was mostly just kind of anxiousness um and and it kind of just turned into just severe sports stress like i like to clarify the difference between real life stress and sports stress but i feel like the last like two weeks or so three weeks for thunder fans was 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 really like about as high as you can get for off-season sports stress in in a sports fan's life yeah no i i think that's i think that's very true um you know and and it is funny you know right away when when Russ left, or when Russ left, when Kevin left, um, you know, David Aldridge immediately reported that, you know, people close to Westbrook said that there was no way he was going to sign an extension. And I, I, I kind of thought that too at the time, um, because I frankly hadn't really studied the, the extension situation um, in terms of how the money worked out. Cause I just thought, you know, just kind of based on how the extension rules worked, you thought, well, it didn't make sense for Russ to, to extend there. But the more, the more that everybody looked at it, the more you could see a scenario where Russ could get the raise he's getting now, which is about $9 million, and then tack on a year or two and, and you know, give the Thunder a little security, at least in the short term, and give himself a lot more money. So um, from your perspective, being around the team, was there a point when it started to look like this went from being something that the Thunder were thinking about to something that you really thought was going to happen or at least could happen? Well, I kind of thought the first kind of seeds for an extension being planted happened July 7th. Um, and that's when, and this is somewhat speculation, but kind of speculation based on facts that we know, which is that on July 7th, Brian Windhorst reported that uh, the projected cap for next year had fallen $5 million. And when that happened, that meant that Russell Westbrook's salary for next year would be, you know, if he signed an extension, which was going to be about $28.5 million, that would be the exact same salary as if he had signed a max deal in the, in the first year of his max deal next year. So not only would Westbrook be getting the five, the $9 million jump this year, or a little less than $9 million, but he wouldn't have to take any less money next year if he were going to sign that one-year extension and then become a free agent in 2018. So I just kind of thought he was going to get more money overall if he extended for one year anyway. Uh, but if he was worried, if he thought that he didn't want to make maybe less money for the ensuing year, for whatever reason, that was something that was no longer a concern. I mean, it was a difference of like, you know, I think it was a difference of like four figures. It was so small. It was by all, by all intents and purposes, it was, it was the same number. So I thought that kind of could have gotten the ball rolling on an extension. Um, and you know, Kevin Durant leaving is something that, that helps, you know, Kevin Durant goes, then the, you know, the Thunder are able to get under the cap. And I think, the Thunder have really made a really concerted effort to stay under the cap. Um, you know, the telltale sign is that once they once they signed Abrinas and and rescinded the qualifying offer to Dion Waiters, that's when you kind of had to know uh, because that's you know if Waiters accepts that qualifying offer, they're not far enough below the cap to be eligible to offer Westbrook this extension because they had to be you know that eight point seven million dollar difference uh, in in Westbrook's salary, which he would get bumping up this year. So. Uh, you know, I, I think there have been a few signs and we've kind of seen momentum build. Uh, at the same time, like the Thunder are pretty quiet on this stuff. Westbrook's always quiet on this stuff. Uh, so so I, I don't know if how the emotions have swung. For all I know, Russ has been in this all the way. Uh, but we've kind of seen, you know, I think the narrative in past years has been things don't go the Thunder's way financially. And we have seen some things actually go the Thunder's way in order to make this sort of thing happen. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I mean, I was thinking about that the other day. You know, imagine if if Dion had just said, "Eh, I'm not getting any bites. Let me just take this qualifying offer and become an unrestricted free agent." I mean, imagine imagine what uh, what would have happened then. You know, what, they would have had to try to you know move some salary to make this happen. And, you know, would have put them in a very in a very difficult spot. Um, you know, it, it is kind of funny the way it shook out. Now, with all that being said, let's kind of spin this forward now. So. You know, we obviously know that 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 Russ is going to be around for for this season. Um, you know, who knows 
who knows really after this season because, you know, although this is a three-year extension, it's really just a one-year extension because there's a player option on that on that third year. And, and for all intents and purposes, this just makes sure that Russ is on the team until next summer. And then, then they're, they're, the Thunder are kind of back in the same spot again. But um, as far as this coming season goes, you know, how do you look at this team now that, you know, I think their roster is pretty much set. They don't have any cap room left. Um, you know, now that, now that kind of the summer's done, we know that Russ is going to be on the team. How, looking at the Thunder going into the 2016-17 season, what's your take on them and, and their chances? I think they're a solid playoff roster. I, I like the roster. I mean, I still think that they're capable of winning, you know, 45 games. Maybe yeah, I, I think we probably know about what to expect. Maybe the biggest, the guy with the biggest, uh, you know, upside might be Steven Adams. If he makes a huge leap, which uh, is possible, that wouldn't surprise me. Then all of a sudden, maybe, maybe it's a team that approaches, you know, win total in the high 40s. Uh, I would put them around 44, 45 wins, something in that range. Um you know, I, Russ is obviously a, a tremendous player, and, and there's just so much athleticism on the team. I think even with Durant and Ibaka gone, there's there's loads of defensive potential. I mean, their their starting lineup has has a bunch of solid defensive players. You know, Oladipo is is an active defender and has imperfect moments, but is is certainly effective on the defensive end. And Adams is really really good, and Robertson is really really good. And you know, Russ when he when Russ is going, Russ is good. The problem is Russ doesn't always go, but like. You know, this is this is maybe just me getting caught up in the moment, but it, isn't it possible that Russ just goes goes nuts on both ends this year? I mean, he he's got the physical tools to be a consistently really good defender, and we've seen him do it. There are just times when he gets beat or he gambles too much or whatever it is. And um, I do think this, if Russ is really going to step up his game defensively, this is the type of environment to do it. So I think this will end up being a top a top ten defense by the end of the year. Um, they don't have shooting. Is, is the issue really. I mean, their, their starting lineup is really just going to have Ilya Sova as the only above average shooter for his position at that spot. And, you know, Abrinas can shoot and, and Morrow can shoot, but, but those are really the only three point shooters that they're, they're going to play consistently. Um, if they even do play, you know, all those guys consistently throughout the year. So uh, that, that I would say is, is the biggest weak it, weakness, but they're going to be exhausting to guard with Westbrook and Oladipo because they're so athletic and explosive with those two guys running the offense. And uh, I, I think they're going to be good enough defensively that they'll win some low scoring games and um, you know, the, four, five, six, seven seed. Like, I feel like a bunch of those teams are kind of jumbled around or kind of all the same quality. And I feel like they could finish anywhere in that range. Yeah. I actually did the true who podcast earlier today with, with Royce Young and Brian Winters. And we were talking about this at the end, you know, you, you figure the Warriors, Spurs and Clippers probably in that order um, are probably the top three seeds. So I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, down on the Clippers this year. I'm, I'm curious to see, what that group looks like coming back. You've got Blake Griffin coming off multiple injuries and all those guys are year older. And I, I could, I just kind of wonder if that doesn't start to fall apart in some, to at least to some degree, but assuming those three teams do in fact stay where they should, you know, I think you can make a case that any of the teams, you know, the thunder, I think just have a good a chance to your point as any of those teams after that between, you know, them, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Portland Trailblazers, the Utah Jazz, the Minnesota Timberwolves, throw the Pelicans in there. Maybe you could throw the Nuggets in there. Um, you know, there, there's five or six or seven teams in that that four to ten range that, that all kind of are about the same. And, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think they're, they're going to be in the playoffs, and I think they're probably going to finish fourth or fifth. And, you know, I, I wrote this today. I, I'm curious about your take on it. You mentioned how you – you know, you you think it's kind of set up for Russ to go crazy at both ends. I think Russ is the favorite to win MVP now because I think a lot of people think the Thunder aren't going to be very good, and I think the Thunder are going to be pretty good. And I think Westbrook is just going to go absolutely bonkers, like he did the second half of that season two years ago when when Kevin Durant had a broken foot and Serge Ibaka was out, and it was basically Russ against the world. Um, and while that team wasn't very good, I think the version of the Thunder now is far better than um, is far better than that one was. But when you fa- I mean, you mentioned Oladipo, Stephen Adams is much better. You know, I I have my issues with Dennis Kanter's game, but he's he's at least a solid player for them to have during the regular season. They've got all these wings that could do some stuff. I, I just feel like they have a lot more depth now, and and I think this team is going to be a lot better than that one that that struggled to get wins at the end of the season uh, two years ago with, without those other guys. I agree with you. 
I, I think they're certainly better. The MVP argument is interesting because, I mean, so much of MVP voting is based on – so much of award you know, winning actually is just based on what our previous expectations were, right? Right, right. Like, like coach of the year is just the coach of the team for the most part. It's just right. the coach of the team that defied our preseason expectations. Most improved player is the absolute definition of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, like coach of the year is – it basically says this coach coached this roster <laughs> because we didn't think they'd be good, but they are good. So it must be the coach. It couldn't be that we were just wrong. It must be the coach. Um, so so, so a lot of it has to do with expectations. So, yeah, if the Thunder come out and they win 53 games and Russ averages like 30, 10, and 9, which is like so possible – like it really, that really is possible. Um, and then, 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 yeah. Um, well, I don't even know if he has to have quite that good of numbers. Like, I think they just have to be pretty good as a team. Because, like, here's the thing. I mean, you just mentioned it. Like, it's it. The award voting is a combination of of perception and narrative, right? Uh-huh. And look, anybody who still votes by narrative, which is a much larger segment than people think. Russ just won the narrative argument. Like the fact that he stayed in Oklahoma City, even if it is only basically a one-year extension, he didn't, you know, he didn't demand a trade. He didn't not sign the extension to kind of force Oklahoma City's hand. Because I think you'd agree with me, if he wasn't willing to, um, if he wasn't willing to do the extension, he probably would have been traded. I agree. Um, so at that point, um, you know, I, I think he's won that argument. And the other reason why I think he's going to win the award is I look around. And I don't see anyone else that's a realistic candidate. Not that there aren't other great players. There are. But, you know, the Cavs are almost definitely going to coast during the regular season like they did last year. And LeBron James, I don't think, is going to really be, you know, he'll still be one of the best players in the league. But I think he's kind of gotten past the point where he's viewed in that conversation anymore. And you look at the other teams in the East, there's nobody else in the East that really has that kind of profile as a player you know, I guess maybe like if Indiana had a, an amazing season, maybe you could say Paul George or or Jimmy Butler if the Bulls are somehow really good. Maybe a guy like that could get in the mix, but it, I think that's really far-fetched. So then you look at the West, and I don't think anybody on the Warriors is going to win the MVP this year. I, you know, you could say maybe Kawhi Leonard on the Spurs. I could see that. I, again, like I, I think that the, the the Clippers with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, unless they win 66 games – I think those guys kind of fall under the fatigue narrative too. And so I, I just think it, as it breaks down, I, I think Russ, assuming he's healthy, is going to have huge numbers and he's going to have the story behind him. And so, you know, I, I guess somebody else could win it. But to me, just looking at it, as long as the Thunder are pretty good and approach 50 wins or, or even exceed them, I think uh, I think then I, I think he's going to be, you know, the front runner win the award. I think it's plausible. I, I think something that, that we need to discuss if we're talking about Westbrook MVP is that winning 50 games is basically a prerequisite for winning MVP. Right. Like the, the last the last – and I saw your article and, and read your article and, and tweeted a little addendum with it that if he were to win MVP, he would be – and the Thunder didn't win 50. Right. Uh, which, which they could win 50. I wouldn't predict them winning 50, but it wouldn't be the most shocking thing right. in sports they'll, history. They'll probably finish somewhere between – 45 and 52. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I lean a little closer to 45. You might no, be a that, little that's high. why I had the range. Like, yeah. Uh, um, I think on the high end, it's 51 or 52, and on the low end, it's probably 45. Yeah, so, so I mean, if, if he does win and they don't win 50, I mean, he would be the first MVP to, uh, from a non-50-win team since Moses Malone in 1982. Uh, that's, that's a long, long, long time to go where you basically have to win 50 games and and you also basically have to be a top three seed uh, in order in order to win it. Now, now maybe Russ does that. Maybe maybe his counting numbers are are so incredible. I mean, I think I think the worry with Russ as well is that you know his his uh, his counting numbers when Durant was out, you know, basically after the All Star break in 2014 or 2015 were were absurd. I mean, the count the 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 points, rebounds, assists were unbelievable. Uh, but there were a lot of you know. There was a lot of data and numbers that said that his his exorbitant shooting and usage were were hurting the team at times. Um, and and I wonder if I, I think Russ did a great job to to shed himself. And 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 I don't think he brought this on. I think a lot of people have unfairly labeled him as detrimental to the team, which is, in my opinion, just total you know just total BS. I mean, it's just 
it's a ridiculous narrative um, to, to, to say that it's just part of his overarching game, which it's not. He's a tremendous player. Uh, but, sure. well, and, but and the other it's thing possible that, that narrative could catch on if we're talking about narrative and Russ is having games where he puts up 40 shots. And, well, uh, I, think, I think something we have to remember about the end of that season uh, is that that team stunk. Like, they, they had a million injuries towards the end of that season, and they just, they just weren't, they weren't the same team at all. So, you know, I, I don't think that, like, will Russ, is Russ going to shoot a lot? Of course. But I really don't. I really don't see a scenario where he's going to shoot and have the same kind of usage rate that he did at the end of that season. Because that he kind of had to do that because they were basically in the same situation that LeBron was in in the finals two years ago, where the you know the 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 Cavs are basically playing with one hand tied behind their back. So you know he had to do everything to try to get them wins and. You know, at the end of that season, you know, without Durant, without Ibaka, I mean, Russ was basically trying to do everything by himself. And I, I think, you know, I, with Stephen Adams, who I think could be an all-star this year and is part of the reason why I'm bullish on on the Thunder, you know, guys like him, you mentioned Oladipo, um, you know, you, you kind of run down the list of the guys they have. You know, I, I think it puts them in a far different situation than, than, uh, than they were when he was, you know, putting up, as you mentioned, those insane stat lines at the end of that season. I think you're right. I think that's a really good point. I think, I mean, adding on, adding on to your point also is I think Russ, Russ matured a lot this past year. I mean, I think he was always a good passer. There were times where he didn't always want to pass, but he was always a, always a good passer and a smart player. Uh, and, and I think this year he kind of took his facilitating skills to another level. And, and I don't just say that because his assists went up. I mean, I think we, we saw him, make make stronger you know he was so much better of a passer in the pick and roll like he really improved that pocket pass to Stephen Adams uh which is just he's just really good at that uh he was better at finding shooters on the outside when when he got into the lane um I think he's just a better passer now I don't know if that's due to Billy Donovan kind of honing in some of the recklessness while still leaving all of those great kind of uh eccentric traits that make Russ just such an you know an unbelievable and unique player uh or, or if it's just kind of him maturing because he's 27 years old and this is just the natural way that he's going to improve his game and, and get better throughout his career, but, but it happens. Uh, and, and so I, I don't necessarily predict that he's going to revert back to what he was a couple of years ago. Um, and, and I do agree. The, I mean, the roster is inarguably better now than it was in you know, March and April of 2015. There's, there's, there's no arguing against that. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's just it's if we're talking about narrative specifically, I just wanted to mention it is something that could sure. that could affect the affect the voting process. And I, I'm with you. I mean, voting on I don't have a vote, but voting voting on narrative is something that always always frustrates me. But it is it is certainly something that happens. Yeah, no, and that and that's partly why that's partly why I say you know the that's partly why I say I think it's going to happen. It's just that you know to your point, you know probably someone on the Warriors will or will be the guy who probably should win the award given they're going to win probably the most games like you know like in 2011 when LeBron James should have won the MVP but Derrick Rose was going to win the MVP because he was on a team that that won 60 games and they weren't the Heat who everyone hated and you know it's just kind of the way this stuff works but but anyway let's let's move on to the rest of the Thunder itself so now you know you kind of ran through the whole team before but you know, specifically now that, that Duran is gone and, and Westbrook is there, you know, it seems to me that the guy that's going to really determine the fate of this team, as I mentioned a couple times, is Steven Adams. And I really thought he was an all-world center during the playoffs. Like, I, I think, you know, he, he was as good as anybody at the position in the league. Uh, it was a big reason why they gave both the Spurs and the Thunder, uh, the Warriors, as much trouble as they did. And... Uh, do you do you think that he's capable of doing that for eight months and and really establishing himself over this next season as one of the you know top two or three centers in the league over the course of the year? Absolutely, I don't I don't see why not. I mean, look if you were if you're 29 years old and you were always you know the player that he was during the regular season last year, which is certainly a good player, certainly an above average starting center. Uh, but, you know, not what he was in the playoffs when he was all-star caliber. Right. If he were that and he were 29, 
then, you know, maybe I'd be like, ah, he just played great. I can't see him keeping that up for a whole year. But dude was 22 years old. I mean, he's – the Thunder thought this was going to happen. I don't know if they thought this was going to happen when it happened. But the Thunder have been really enthusiastic about about Steven Adams' career for a while now. Uh, they've been really, really high on him. Uh, they saw this coming. I mean, maybe some people didn't. But the Thunder saw this coming with Adams. Uh he is really good. Uh, he is he is a bright defensive player. He's really athletic. We saw him in the in the postseason go out and guard guys on the perimeter. He protects the rim. Uh, he's he's a more skilled offensive player than I think he gets credit for, and I think he's developing. I think the Thunder are going to start to use him more with the ball this year. Now I don't think they're going to run their offense through him or anything like that, but I think they're going to let him create a little bit on those pick and rolls more than he ever has before. And I think they might give him the ball to him in the post a little bit more. Cause he's a pretty good passer. Um, he, he's, he's super coordinated. Um, he can throw down lobs. He's, he's a threat. And the thunder have kind of been using him like Deandre Jordan, but not as good as Deandre Jordan the last few years. Um, I think they keep the concept of that because when you put a guy in that sort of mold, that's what makes him really effective. But his ability to be able to do other things with the ball, you know, offensively, his his ability to be able to do other things with the ball that someone like, you know, a DeAndre can't really do. And, and what, you know, maybe Andre Drummond kind of started to do next year, but is still working on developing. Uh, I think that could turn him into one of one of the league's best centers for sure for sure top top two or three is i mean that's really good top two or three i mean that makes him all nba which which wouldn't shock me i just think that's a little bit of an unfair expectation for a 23 year old who who averaged 25 minutes a game last year uh but but it's it is possible maybe it is fair because he he does have loads of ability and and he's he's getting better by the second if he plays like he did during the playoffs man he he is an all nba center i mean he he was a dominant player in the playoffs. And I mean, you know, I, I could be biased cause I, I saw him for all of those two series, but um, you know, he was, he was one of the best players on the court whenever he was on the court. Um, and, and you mentioned it, the thing, the thing that was maybe most impressive about him was his, his ability to get out on the perimeter and guard guys, you know, you don't see many seven footers who are getting, who get in space and are, are able to, to function and, and not, not look terrified going up against a guard and, and he, he was able to do it and looked really good. So yeah, I, I, part of the reason why I'm bullish on the thunder this season and why I think they'll be good enough for Russ to, to have a chance to win this award is, is that I think that he's going to be an all-star. And, you know, if you look at those, if you look at that second tier of teams in the West, I don't think any of them have two all-stars and, you know, if they have Westbrook and, and Adams as two all-stars, I think they can probably be, you know, the fourth or fifth best team, which I think, you know, is, is better than, than a lot of people think. Um, but I, actually, and that, that reminds me, um, the other guy, you, you mentioned him earlier, uh, the big addition they made this summer, the Thunder, was in moving Serge Ibaka, uh, because he had one year left on his deal and there was, they were not going to re-sign him. They went and got, among other pieces from the Orlando Magic, Victor Oladipo. Um, Oladipo has been a pretty polarizing guy in his career, um, kind of like Russell Westbrook, a, a really athletic guy on the perimeter who maybe isn't as good a defender as he should be given his athleticism and is a guy who is, you know, has been an okay shooter but hasn't been really above average there. Um, and now he goes to the Thunder where he'll play alongside Westbrook, um, which – could has the potential to be really interesting on a lot of levels. It's it's kind of unclear if it'll work um, because of their lack of shooting. Um, so I guess I'm just curious as as you come into this season. I know those guys have been working out together in LA. You know what do you think of of that pairing and of the the acquisition of Oladipo and and how that'll all shake out? I think it's got its flaws. I mean, first off, I think I think Oladipo is, is a good player and for for sure. No, and I do too. He is a good player like for, for certain, and he's still young and he's developing, and I think he stands to have a really solid year. But I, I think it's silly to ignore the flaws. There are flaws. I mean, neither of them is an above-average shooter for, for their position. And, uh, um, you know, Oladipo's not necessarily a bad shooter, but he, he he's streaky. He goes in and out, and, you know, uh, his overall shooting numbers are, are, you know, not the greatest. And, and most importantly, guys aren't, you know, 
clinging on to him on the perimeter. Like if Russell Westbrook gets into the lane, players will defenders will help off of him and go on to Westbrook. Uh, so I mean, that's really what the most important thing is when you have a shooter. He's not he's not a dominant floor spacer in that sense. Uh, but but they're going to be exhausting to guard. Like they are going to be maybe the most tiring uh, backcourt to guard in the league because they're both so athletic and physical and explosive on the offensive end. Um, I, I think it's possible that that and, and maybe I, I I haven't decided yet if this is a stupid comment, but I've already said it publicly, so <laughs> so I don't care. I can't yeah. I can't retract it now. That's if always that's always a good move. <laughs> To not be sure if something's smart or not, but just blurt it out anyway. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I think it's possible that Thunder are, are are particularly good in the fourth quarter this year. And I think it could be because those guys are so exhausting to guard that defenses might just be tired by the end of the game. Um, like they are, they are so – that's the most explosive backcourt in the league in my opinion. Um, and they really get in the teeth of you and, and, and just bumping up against those guys – and having to deal with Adams rolling to the hoop, who is both a really, really good athlete and will you know punch you in the mouth while he's doing it. Um, I mean, that's that's going to be. I I think they're going to have their struggles offensively um, because they just they're going to struggle with spacing, and and there's no question about that. But I, I think they're going to be an exhausting guard, and I think that's something that could help them late in games. Maybe that's stupid. Maybe I'm horribly wrong on that. But I I think it's. <laughs> I think that's a possibility because I do think they're going to be exhausting to guard. Like I, I do think being tiring to guard and being uh, really effective offensively aren't necessarily always in line with each other. Uh, but but it, it certainly helps your offense if you're just if you're just making the defense pant the whole way through the game. That's it's certainly a uh, it's certainly a plausible theory though. I, I do enjoy that you spent the entire time you espoused it uh, going back and saying maybe this isn't very smart. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm not sure. I haven't I haven't gotten any feedback on it yet. I'm not very confident in it, but but I feel like it's possible. Well, I, I do think they're going to be utterly fascinating um all the way through. You know, I I'm really I I'm really fascinated to see what they look like. Um, you know, they you mentioned it earlier, they don't really have any shooting. Um, you know, Alex Abrinas is a, a young guy they brought up from Spain who, you know, is should be very good, but it's always hard to tell with guys like that when they come over, are they going to be able to contribute right away? Or do they need some time? Um, you know, and if him and Anthony Morrow don't really fit in the rotation, you know, you've got Andre Roberson who hasn't really shown he could consistently shoot. Uh, Oladipo is streaky. Russ is pretty bad. Uh, they, you know, they lost Serge Ibaka. They're probably going to be playing Ennis Kanter a lot of power forward. Um, you know, I guess they've got an Ursan Ilyasova who's a decent, sh- decent shooter, but um, you know, it is just going to be kind of fascinating to see um, to see what their team looks like. And, you know, I, I think the whole rust dynamic is going to be, um, be really, really fascinating. And, you know, I, I don't know if they'll have them play on opening night, but it certainly would be something if the Thunder are in Golden State on opening night um, to, to kind of kick the season off. I, I have a feeling they'll probably wait until later in the, uh, later in the year to unveil that matchup. But, um, I'm sure you agree with me that whenever those teams play, it's going to be uh, it's going to be must see television to see what Russ tries to do. I will be bringing earplugs. I've never brought earplugs to a game, but I might be bringing earplugs to that game because they're going to blow the, out. Yeah, the first game back in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're going to blow out my eardrums. That will be sure. that will be uh, that will be a very crazy scene for sure. So is that that opening night when Russ gets his name announced for the first time? Man, it is going to be so yeah, loud. Yeah, it's going to be so it's going to be so loud. It gets it gets louder. I mean, you you've been to every NBA arena. I actually haven't been to every one, but do do you think that's the loudest arena, just from an acoustic standpoint? Um. Yeah. Well, the fans are the loudest. Um. Like I think Cleveland is louder because from like an acoustic standpoint, because they just they have the the volume jacked up to eleven at all times there. Um. Uh-huh. So like they just pump in all kinds of crazy noise all the time. But from a from a pure crowd standpoint. Yeah, I think Golden State, you know, there there's a few in the running, but off the top of my head, the Garden, Golden State, Oklahoma City, and San Antonio are probably the four loudest. And uh the the Thunder might be the loudest. Um it's a it's a very it's a very uh it's a very, very loud place and a, a great um a great environment to watch a game. And and yeah, I'm with you. The the first game back, uh it should really be it should really be something to see 
to see what the atmosphere uh, in that arena is like. Oh yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be it's that's going to be fun. That's going to be one of those moments where I'm like, this is a really cool job that I have. That's it's going to be great. Now, I want to actually touch on this a little bit. So, for people that don't know, you moved to Oklahoma City about three months ago to cover the Thunder. Um, you went there. You basically covered the. You got there for the whole playoffs, right? I, I got there for the start of the San Antonio start series. Start of the second round. That's right. I knew you got there for the start of a series, but couldn't remember. Uh, couldn't remember which. So, um, you know, you were looking at a situation where you know within three months you could have theoretically seen both. Russ, uh, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook leave. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not, I, I know you weren't regretting your decision. I don't mean it like that, but I imagine, I imagine it's been kind of an interesting few months for you kind of watching this unfold and, and to, to wonder if you were really going to get to cover the team that you thought you were going to get to cover when you got there. Yeah. It's been interesting. I mean, look, we, we, we as reporters, like I don't, I don't root for the Thunder. I don't have any allegiance to the Thunder. But, you know, I'll admit it's obviously more fun to cover a good team than one that isn't contending. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, it was something I considered a possibility before I took the job, too. Uh, you know, what happens if Durant doesn't sign, then they probably trade Westbrook. Or, or you know, then there's questions of if they trade Westbrook. And, and you know, then, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm moving down there. But, but I, I mean, the quality of the team – uh, wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was something that I was excited about when I moved down and I'm still covering a good team, I think. So, so that's fine. Um, I, uh, it wasn't, it was something I was excited about for sure, but it wasn't a factor in, in moving down and taking the job. So, so it wasn't like it, it changed my perspective in it at all. Uh, but you know, it's obviously, it's been, there's been drama. I mean, look, all, all I really wanted was like, and you can understand this. Maybe, I don't know if the average fan knows this, but like the only thing I want from this job is stories. I don't care what the stories are, but if they're, as long as they're good. I don't care if the stories are, you know, like if it's, if it's not a good team with great stories, then I'm happy. I'm happier in some ways than if it's like a good team with, with no good stories and it's just totally boring. Cause I just want, I want good stories. I want, fun things to analyze. I want good personalities to cover. Like, look, I still get a season of covering Ennis Kanner and Steven Adams. Like that's a beat writer's <laughs> dream. That's a dream. I like, I might've, this is my first like official beat that I've ever been on. And I, I don't, I feel like it's totally possible that I'm never going to cover a funnier athlete than Steven Adams. Yeah. Him. I mean, I think we probably need to talk about Kanner for a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up his Twitter feed while I'm introing it. He, <laughs> he has been on an unbelievable run. Uh, so, you know, it looks like he actually deleted, uh, oh no, never mind. Okay. No, he doesn't, he, he has no shame. No, no. Delete. So, <laughs> so, so it started yesterday afternoon, I think right around when the, the, the news of the, the Russ, uh, extension talk started, he, he tweeted out, uh, hashtag thunder up with a picture. Uh, somebody drew a picture of him with a mustache. I, I don't know if it was him or somebody else. But he, he, it's kind of a weird picture. Uh, he looks kind of chubby in it. So I, I, I got to laugh out of that. Then last night, he, he tweets out, a, uh, he tweets out a, 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 another cartoon picture of someone at a computer with a Lakers shirt on with a crying Jordan face uh, with, the, with the word, stop refreshing the, pre- stop refreshing the page, LOL. It's true, uh, which I cracked up about also, which I thought was just hilarious trolling. Uh, and then just a couple hours ago, uh, he tweeted and maybe the, the best one so far, uh, I ain't going to join the enemy. I'm here to compete with, uh, I ain't leaving Russell Westbrook with Westbrook's head on Durant's body from, uh, from the players tribune article that announced that Durant was leaving, um, (laughs) which is just an amazing, uh, just a truly amazing series of tweets uh from Cantor. You left out another great one. Uh, uh, oh, which one? Did you see the Slater one? Oh, that was from earlier. But yes, tell the tell the people about that. So Anthony Slater, great, great uh Thunder beat writer for the Oklahoman, yes. is now no longer with the Oklahoman, is is going to the San Jose uh Mercury News yeah. to, to cover the Warriors. Mars. Very happy for him. Well yeah. deserved. Yeah, so good at his job and, and great guy. And uh <laughs> Canner Canner photoshopped Slater onto the 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 image of the Kevin Durant Players Tribune article, 
about him leaving to go to the Warriors and 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 tweeted tweeted something about uh, I forget the exact words, but he said uh, you know another traitor, and I was just like, oh my god, Ennis, so this is he's so funny, man. He is he's like creatively funny. Like some athletes are just funny because they're eccentric, but he is genuinely really funny. Like these tweets are great. He had a great one about about Oladipo. He's been he's been trolling Thunder fans about Kevin Durant for like. A month now, because after after Durant left, he he tweeted out uh, a, a Durant jersey with masking tape over Kevin Durant's name and masking tape over the three, so it was that just was, number five. That was and he amazing. Wrote, and he wrote Oladipo on the masking tape over Durant's jersey, and it, it said something like, uh, "Don't burn, just recycle." Yeah, I know. That was <laughs> absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I he's really uh, he he's really crapped me up the last last few months with. Uh, with his social media campaign, um, it's it's been it's been pretty pretty entertaining. And speaking of uh, speaking of social media, so the last time you were on this podcast, right after you took the job, uh, we talked about your your run in with with Russell Westbrook at practice uh, right at the beginning when you were, you know were kind of getting your feet wet. Um, but that that preceded uh, one of the now legendary moments of the playoffs, which was. Uh, you know, you at a press conference during the Spurs series in San Antonio asking uh, asking Durant and Westbrook a question, though you ended up asking yourself the question, uh, leading to all kinds of uh, social media antics. Um, and I, I was just curious, especially because you had, I think you'd only been in the job like two weeks at that point. Uh, you know, what what was it like? kind of becoming the the subject of basketball Twitter for a day or two. It was funny. I laughed. I like, I realized as I was, I mean, I didn't realize as I said it that I was going to blow up because I didn't know I was on national TV. Like apparently <laughs> TNT cut into it literally for my question. Uh, so I was just like, oh, that was, that was stupid. And people in the press room laughed when it, when I, yeah, I was, I was there and I, I laughed quite a bit. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people laughed, and and I was like, "Oh, that was stupid." But I've I've said stupid things in my life, like you know, may, maybe my my previous comment about Oladipo and Westbrook. We don't know. That's still up for debate on how stupid it is. But uh, we, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it was funny. I it's funny because I'm I'm usually like part of basketball Twitter, making jokes about whatever just happened on the press conference or whatnot, and now all of a sudden, like my my phone blew up. Like yes, it yes, it did. I remember. Blew up. Like it was insane. I immediately, as soon as I asked a question, I just I had my phone on vibrate in my pocket, and I just started feeling vibration after vibration after vibration. The first the first text in my inbox was from uh, like one of my best friends from growing up, uh, who's a big basketball fan, and the text it was just a text from him. They just said "Yeah, boy," with like twelve <laughs> eyes. <laughs> And I was like, oh, gosh, what is going on right now on my Twitter? I mean, it was also that, like, that, like, everybody, like, every single, like, you know, like, there, I know a lot of people who have a lot more Twitter followers than I do. So, like, people like you or Zach Harper or Royce Young or, you know, Matt Moore or whomever else was just like, oh, Fred, and thought it would be hilarious <laughs> to – to create memes of me and 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 make like outrageous jokes and and so it just it and then it just kind of snowballs because they all you know you know Matt has like a hundred thousand followers and like and and then just everyone's joking about it. It was the funny. One, the one Zach did was my favorite when he he I flipped the pic did a mirror image of of you asking a question so it actually looked like you were asking yourself something. <laughs> Uh, which which killed me, but uh, yes, that was that was my my mother's favorite. My mother texted. That, <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. My that, mom. That's when you know you've reached a certain level of fame in 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 a moment because uh, you, if your mom if your mom knows what's going on, that's uh, that that means you've really crossed over to the mainstream. Yeah, well, my brother, you know, my brother, my brother, yes. Like, obviously loved it and he loved it. And, uh, and so he just like found all of them and sent them all to my parents. And then my mom texted me that, have you seen this sweetie? <laughs> I didn't quite understand what was going on. You people on the internet were talking about me. Oh, that's really funny. Um, sorry. Why well, I've kept you long enough, man. So I don't, don't let me keep you, uh, any longer, but before you go, um, 
Oh, actually, you know what? We should we should talk about one other thing before we go. Uh, because uh, I we were talking about this before we started the podcast. So Kevin Durant was asked in Rio de Janeiro today uh, if he'd reach out to Russell Westbrook after his contract extension uh, agreement with the Thunder. Um, here's what Durant said. Nah, that's a touchy deal. It's easy for someone else to tell me what I should do, but I'll see when this is over and when everything dies down. At some point, we'll sit down and talk, but I don't know when. Those guys were obviously pretty tight. And and have been friends for a long time. Do we think? And I, I, this is kind of reckless speculation, which I, I'm I, I'll admit off the top. Do we think that that relationship is irreparably broken at this point, given kind of the way him and Russ have gone back and forth in the media about the way how this has played out? My guess would be no. Um, it's not like they're insulting each other. Um, they're just kind of saying that there was hurt, um, which I believe. Um, I, but I tend to believe, and, and, and this is more based on my uh, history of just having relationships with other people than it is based on Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook specifically because I don't really know what they've said to each other. I mean, they've said they haven't spoken you know, since Durant left, really. Uh, but, you know, I don't really know specifically what the lead-up was beyond, you know, uh, other things that have, you know, Royce Young has reported and that kind of stuff. Um, but, but you know, I, I think when they were, they were close. I mean, they weren't best friends. They weren't having, you know, sleepovers like Jeter and A-Rod, but they, they, they were, they were close. Um, and, and, and they were, they were close as teammates, you know? And I, I think it, they were together for eight years. I just feel like an eight year bond can overcome some awkwardness. Like maybe it's not going to happen tomorrow, but but like relationships like that that are eight years strong, it's not like these aren't normal coworker relationships. Like you're going on the road with these people all the time. You're flying with them. You're on the team, planes with them. Like teammates are around each other all the time. And if you like each other, if you like a teammate, that that bond grows so much grows so much uh, deeper than a lot of relationships when you just like like a coworker that you see from nine to five. You know. Yeah. Uh, so so I think when when that grows over eight years like it just seems to me uh and and maybe it's because like i just don't have that russell westbrook mentality um it's because i don't know if like there are a few people in the history of the world who do uh but but it seems to me like that's something that yeah like you can you get pissed about it uh you you get competitive about it you get upset about it you get mad about it whatever it is uh but then you at some point down the line, you're like, hey, but we had all these awesome times together. Like, is it really worth ruining a, a good relationship that I've had in my life because of uh, what what really amounted to to a business decision? I don't know if that's something that you can frame in your head like that if you're in, if you're the subject of it. But it, that seems like a reasonable outcome to me. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I just I do find it very interesting kind of the way this thing has as has developed uh, publicly. And I, I am. You know, I am, you know, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how, um, how Westbrook frames it this afternoon. I, I mean, I'm sure knowing Russ, he'll say very little, um, and, and probably not actually say very many words at all because that tends to be how he addresses everything publicly. But, um, it will be interesting to see, you know, the way he, he kind of responds to the way the summer's played out and, and him, him taking the reins of the franchise and, and everything else. But, um, you know, we'll find out in a couple hours, but until then, now I will let you go uh, enjoy uh, a couple hours in New York City before this press conference starts. But before you go, um, if you could, Fred, give the uh, let the people know where they can follow you on social media and let them, uh, you know, and let them know some stuff to uh, to read of yours. I'm sure you've got plenty to plug. All right. I'm uh, I'm at Fred Katz on Twitter, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. Uh, you can find me on normantranscript.com. I've got a blog on there. It's called Thunder Road. You can find it under the sports tab. I also host a podcast, uh, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's called Lockdown Thunder. Uh, I was doing it daily until last week, uh, now kind of in, well, what I anticipated being the, the dead the dead part of the 
the dead part of the NBA season. Uh, I'm doing it Tuesday, Thursdays, and, and maybe an emergency podcast here and there. I'll, I'll record one on Russell Westbrook. Well, later later in the day, it's it's Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern right now, so I don't know when you're posting this, Tim. But uh, I'll, I'll have one up on Westbrook later, and uh, yeah, you can find my stuff there. I've got a few columns up on Westbrook already, and I'll have another one after the presser, and you know, you, you can find all that stuff on on Twitter if you don't want to be uh, you know checking NormanTranscript.com 12 times a day to try to find it. <laughs> You should just uh, you should just go check Norman's transcript thirty times a day to make sure you don't miss anything. Instead, hey, get me those page hits. Give me those page hits. That's right. Get help uh, help a guy out. Um, <laughs> you can uh, you can find my work on the Washington Post, um, and you can find uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps or on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Uh, if you could give a five star rating or review to the podcast on iTunes, uh, search posting up. That would be appreciated. It's very helpful. Um, Fred, thank you very much for coming on uh, and taking some time out of your your vacation in in your hometown to to talk to me. I know uh, I know it, you'd rather probably not have to do all this work in the middle of vacation, but at the same time, as I said earlier, welcome to uh, welcome to beat life. This is uh, this is how it goes. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, you get a little more vacation time once this settles down. Russell Westbrook cares not about my time off apparently. <laughs> No, no, he, uh, no, he does not. Yours or mine or anybody else's. I came off vacation to do work too. It's, uh, it's the way, it's the way things go sometimes. But, but thanks a lot, man, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll talk to y'all soon.